0: Can you hear me? I can hear you. And now it's time to sit back and enjoy the two true freaks internet radio broadcast. Stop it! Share a
1: message. What's in the box?
0: (laughs) to the bins,
1: I got nowhere up the go! I got nowhere up the go! I got nothing
0: else. All right, hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of Back to the Bins. I'm Paul Spataro,
1: and that is Scott God. <laughs> a very unprepared Scott Gardner. I didn't know you were going to bring us in already. <laughs> Hi, how's it going?
0: <laughs> it's it's going, and I'm it. How you doing?
1: Doing good. Just got out of work, so I'm uh, I'm in wind down mode right now. But uh, can't wind down too far because I'm supposed to get together with our buddy uh, David A. Pasquarella here uh, a little bit oh, later. Oh yeah, he's tonight, in town. So yeah, he is. Yeah
0: so uh, yeah yeah so hopefully that'll be a nice visit and uh you can also see Teresa, who you recently recorded with because she's on um, disney
1: yeah she is but she's uh she's working so i i probably won't see her today but i'm sure i'll see her at some point uh you know during her uh her tenure at least i, I hope to anyway so yeah i, I mean i i've
0: Listen through that episode which has not yet posted uh it may post before this one but it may post after this one i don't know uh but anyway i thought she did a nice job with it and uh you know she's indicated that she enjoyed doing it so we'll do some more i think think she said she'd like to do the the clone wars which might be cool
1: yeah i could be down for that maybe uh i was actually thinking maybe even a clone wars comic or maybe both you know do like like an episode or an episode arc and then uh you know see if there might be any comics related to it because uh uh, i i don't know that i read them all but i read a lot of the of the clone wars stuff that um who was it that had it was it dark horse yeah i think it was dark horse maybe um That was doing it, but yeah, I uh, enjoyed a lot of that stuff that they were doing. It was like Star Wars Republic, I think was the name of it. Um, I don't know. I forget. It's been several years now, but yeah, some of that stuff was really good. So yeah.
0: So I, yeah, I, uh, I haven't read any of the books, but I have watched a complete series and uh, I actually enjoyed when they picked it up uh, and you know, when Disney, Picked it up and and kind of ran with what had already been done. I thought they hit on some some pretty good storylines, as I can recall. Uh, but it's been a little while since I watched them, so whatever we do, I'll have to re uh, you know re acclimate myself to it.
1: I watched up through uh, whenever it was that that told what happened to Ahsoka, like basically why she wasn't in uh, Episode Three, you know, the film um you know when she got disgraced or whatever it was that happened i can't even remember now it's been so long i watched through that but then they ended up doing like the lost season and the extra season and the extra extra season and all that so i need to watch all that so i've been thinking about just sitting down and doing like another watch through um i i would really like to and i probably really need to it's just I, I'm both looking forward to it but also kind of dreading it too because I know there was at least one season possibly two that I thought really drug in the middle um, but I, I don't know maybe
0: were I think those fairly thought... early if I remember
1: right I
0: thought it ended strong but again it's been a little while so I can't really cite a lot of it I think you know one of the things that I, I just remember is that you had to kind of accept yeah okay Darth Maul survived being cut in half uh, and as long as you, you know, as long as you were able to to say that, it, it you know, that storyline became interesting.
1: I actually liked that because that spun out of a, uh, I don't know what you would call it. It was almost like an else worlds kind of thing. I don't remember what the actual name was of it now, but it was it was basically. Like it, it was supposed to be like non non-canon, uh, canonical Star Wars stories, like just for fun. I think it was called like Visions or Visionaries or something like that. Um, but it was basically like Star Wars Else Worlds. But it was this story where Maul comes to Tatooine and somehow he had found out about Luke. I, I don't know how, um, but he comes to like the Lars farm. And threatening Luke when he was a young boy. And I just remember a scene where like he had the robot legs and Kenobi comes up like like out of the dirt, like he'd been buried in the dirt or something, somehow anticipating this. And they ended up having a big fight. That's all I really remember. But that was well before, like they actually brought him back and eventually gave him the robot legs. And And I thought, okay, that's that's pretty cool that that story evidently was. Popular enough, or lit a spark with somebody or something, that they actually turned it into, you know, something canonical. I I thought that was pretty cool. You know, as silly as the the conceit is, it was still kind of cool. You know. Yeah.
0: Well, and that's that's kind of my point is, yeah, you have to accept the silly conceit, but then if you can do that, you can, you know, you can kind of run with it, and it's all cool. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, this initially planned for today, or, or we initially planned today to just do yet another hey i've been buying a lot of comics episode <laughs> uh and i'm it's still going to be that uh but we also want to try and cover a book before we say goodbye to you so let's let's talk a little bit about our insane comic buying <laughs> and by insane i think unfortunately for my bank account i think it's more me than you that's really gone over the deep end of late because i've picked up a couple of uh more big ticket items than i normally would you know i was i was perfectly content for years and years to just, you know, hit the $1 and $2 books and, and not go anywhere else. And then I started going into the $5 books. And then it started, you know, looking at my want list and there were issues that, you know, that they're just not gonna go that cheap. And I had to dig in and, and you know, go either either accept that I'll never own them or dig into my wallet to get them. That does not mean that I'm not still searching for the bargains whenever possible. But it does mean that if it's in good condition and it's a book I really want and it looks like it's you know got the value of what they're saying. And even then, I still want to get value for my book. But if that's the case, I am willing to kind of spend more than I used to be willing to. Uh, and the case in point is one that you and I were texting about yesterday. Uh, I need I've needed for quite some time one issue to wrap up my Astonishing Tales run. Unfortunately, it was the first appearance of Death Lock. Uh And that book I'm seeing on uh, eBay and in stores for $100, $150, uh, $200, you know, uh, just crazy prices that I cannot justify myself paying for it. And ultimately, I found it in the store, and they had it in pretty good condition. And it was, uh, I think it was 65 and then they gave it to me for 50 and that's pretty you know, normally $50 for a book would normally turn me off and turn me away. But in this instance, I did go for that. Uh, another one on free comic book day, uh, one that I've been searching for forever, uh, and I can never find it for a decent price was uh, Fantastic Four 112, the, the thing Hulk battle that we've talked about so many oh, times. Right. Yeah. And and that was the only issue, you know, my, my run of Fantastic Four or, or my goal for that run is issue one through issue 300. That was the only issue above issue 100 that I still needed to at least have that solid run. Uh, and I kept looking and looking and looking and I just could not find it at anything even close to a decent price when I could even find it. You know, a lot of times I couldn't even find the damn book. Uh, and then on free comic book day, I saw it in the bins and it was... Uh, I believe it was $90 and 40% off, you know, cause it was free comic book day. And I was like, okay, uh, you know, it's kind of, it was kind of like, I can take the plunge and buy this, or I'm just never going to have this book. So, <laughs> so I took the plunge and I bought that. So now, you know, my issues, with the FF I need are, you know, much, much lower, uh, in number. Uh, but all I think I think my first run my first issue in my solid run, I think, is somewhere around issue ninety. Uh, and from there to 300, I have the solid run. So I'm looking for the earlier books, which are gonna all be pricier. But I'm you know, every once in a while I'm able to find one of those, you know, lower, not not, you know, not preteen books or anything, but lower numbered books, you know, in the in the sixties and seventies for, you know, five to ten dollars, which is not crazy for those books at all. So I'm just going to keep searching for the bargains and, you know, look what I can look what I can find. Uh, I've since I've gone insane and started buying all these books, I've closed out a few series that I was looking for. Uh, And just one of the things I've become fixated with of late is I've kind of been on a Kirby run. I've wanted to get the Kirby issues from uh, his D.C., Early 70s run with you know with the Fourth World stuff, and I've wanted to get you know his his Marvel later stuff you know when 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 he was writing his batshit crazy books, so <laughs> I didn't even realize that it was a big deal. Uh, 2001, A Space Odyssey. I was missing two issues, which I didn't even know I was missing any, and then I realized I was, uh, and I was missing two issues, and one of them was the first issue where Machine Man appeared, and and you know I kept seeing that for what i would say stupid prices just because i didn't think it was that key of a book but i'm seeing it you know for 25 30 dollars and i'm like i'm not paying that for (laughs) for 2001 space odyssey book uh and i ended up finding the two issues i was missing in a two dollar bin so like i was very happy with that so that's closed out as i said i I closed out astonishing tales this week uh i also closed out last week uh west coast avengers although i still need one of the annuals uh a little while back i closed out beware the creeper which is just kind of a favorite for me uh i managed to get from all the uh the cheaper bins uh the 12 issues of fantasy masterpieces and by cheaper i mean like three dollars and less uh there's the 12 issues of or i believe it's 11 issues of that and then issue 12 is marvel superheroes with uh the first issue of Captain Marvel.
1: I was, yeah, I was just going to ask that, that. I knew I was thinking that that turned into another title, but I couldn't remember what it turned. In. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So then, then, then that got me fixated on Marvel superheroes and not the
0: reprints with the Hulk and Submariner, the Tales to Astonish reprints, right. but the yeah. ones that had original content, which is pretty much issue twelve through twenty, I believe. Uh, and I had I've had issue twelve forever. Uh, Which is it's a key book, and you can't get that one cheap anyway. So what what is that one? That's the introduction of Captain Marvel.
1: Oh, that is Captain. I was thinking thirteen was Captain Marvel for some. reason. Well,
0: thirteen comes up in this conversation though, because (laughs) my good friend Scott Gardner was recently at a uh, comic sale and found me a copy of issue thirteen for three dollars.
1: Okay, yes. I'm one number off on everything because I was thinking 13 was the first one and 14 was the one that I got you. So I'm one number off on everything. <laughs> yeah, Four,
0: 14 was a Spider-Man issue, and I recently found that for like five bucks. Uh, there's a Medusa issue, which I found for $2 somewhere. There's a, uh, what's it, Phantom Eagle or whatever it is. Uh, right. That That's another one I found cheap. Uh,
1: I think uh, I have that one just because I, I read what was it there was something i read somewhere like back issue magazine or something was talking about it and it just sounded so damn cool that i i sought it i think that's one that i actually ended up seeking out just because i heard something interesting about it or something i don't know i have to look it up now and see if that's the one i'm thinking of but i'm pretty sure that's right
0: So I'm down to three issues on that series that I need, Uh, one of which I should be able to find on the cheap, one of which I should be able to find mid-range, and one of which I'll be lucky if I could find it for an affordable price anywhere, because there's uh, (laughs) a Black Knight issue, which I can't imagine goes for all that much money. Uh, There's a Doctor Doom issue, which I would imagine is going to be mid-range as far as the money it'll cost me if I keep my eyes open for a bargain on it. And then there's the introduction of Guardians of the Galaxy, which I don't think I'll ever find for a cheap amount. So, you know, it is what it is. But then, you know, just going into that, uh, yesterday I bought a copy of Iron Fist number 1, which... Now gives me hopes of running off running out that little series. I only need, I think two more issues of that. and the it's it's the book is in overall decent shape, and it was had a price tag on it of seventy dollars. And I got it for thirty dollars because it's signed by Finn Jones, who played Iron Fist in uh, the the oh. Netflix series, and that knocked the value down.
1: <laughs> so. Oh, Sorry. he
0: didn't do that bad of a job. I didn't think he did a particular, <laughs> I, although I think his his martial arts moves probably were not all that effective, but I thought otherwise he was okay. I think it was more the writing of that series that was just too slow on plotting. Um, what else did I fill out? I filled out uh, Cobra, which is another short-run series, but it was one that, uh you know, it's another one that Kirby had a hand on. Uh, the Sandman, and not the Neil Gaiman one, but the Jack Kirby one that, yeah, some of that is really batshit crazy,
1: uh, but ends I got up those tying into the JSA and all that somehow. But I I I can't remember how now uh, that it that it does tie in, but it has some sort of relation to like Fury and uh, and the Silver Scarab and all that. I remember that there's some story with with that you know that character tying it all in, but uh, it's been a long time since I've read all that. But yeah, um, it's a pretty wacky
0: one. I closed out my run and I think the whole series was only seven issues of Son of Satan. Uh, I closed out my run, with again, with the exception of needing one annual, but of X Factor, which was a pretty long run. You know, it was 150 issues or so. Uh, the large, large majority of which came from $1 bins. Uh, so, you know, I'm I'm kind of happy with those. Then there's other series that I'm kind of working on and I'm getting there. Uh, you've got me very close on both All-Star Squadron and Young All-Stars with the books that you've been able to pick up for me. Yep. Uh, I only need one more issue to get Mist- the Mr. Miracle series done. Uh, I need four issues to get the new gods done. Again, I've been trying to get these Kirby books. Uh, but on that one, I still need issue number one, which I'm sure is going to be pricey. Um, I need a couple more issues to get the Kirby Black Panther run. I closed out. I was very, very happy. I closed out my two-issue run of Brother Power the Geek. Uh, you know, because that one that was one of the first issue number one was one of the first books I covered on this series, uh, on this show. <laughs> and uh, yeah, kinda, thanks for that. <laughs> so I, I kind of wanted those those two books, and I'm, I'm happy to own them. Uh, they they actually I've seen those go for reasonably high prices, but I got them I think for like four dollars each or something like that. Um, I need two issues to finish out the run of the demon, another Kirby connection. Um, I've been finding a surprisingly high number, which is, this is a series I've always had interest in. You and I were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. I've always had interest in it, but I've never seen the books on the cheap until the last, say three or four months. And now I've gotten 19 issues. I had three. Now I have 19 of them, uh, of the doom patrols, original run. Uh, in fact, I even right, got two right. two issues of My Greatest Adventure, which was the series that it sprouted out of, uh, and I haven't paid more than five dollars for any of them. So that that's pretty cool. Uh, I've always kind of found that to be a kitschy fun series, uh, and it's you know it's just kind of cool to get them. Uh,
1: well, it was neat to kind of share want lists, you know, because you and I did that not long ago, where you know, we send each other our want lists and I, I put your want list into, you know, the CLZ app and all that so that we can, you know, kind of keep an eye out for each other for things as we come across them. And I always like doing that because it gives you an insight into the other person. Like, what do they collect? What are they interested in? That was probably the title I was most surprised to see on your list. Cause I'm like, really? Cause I don't, I don't remember us ever really discussing them or anything. And I just thought that that was really interesting because I think of you primarily as a Marvel guy. Oh, and yeah. so when there's something that's really very niche DC that gets on your wallet list, I'm like, whoa, what the, what the hell is this one on there for? And I figured it was probably for the Kirby, but yeah, I just thought that was interesting. Oh, the,
0: that, that series is kind of funny because, like I said, the, the Doom Patrol started in uh, My Greatest Adventure. Uh, I think it's issue 85 it started in, or something like that. And then around issue 90 or so, it turned into the Doom Patrol. And it ran to, and I I'm, I'm, could be off on these numbers. Please don't send me any emails to tell me I'm wrong. Um, it could have run till about 123, I think, or 124. And I think the last two or three issues were reprints of earlier issues in the run. And I had, two of those reprint issues and then just one random issue from the run for many many years and now within the last few weeks you know i've picked up about 16 doom patrol issues and two my greatest adventure issues uh so so all of a sudden now now i have a decent run of it and i'd like to complete it if possible Uh, but again i'm not going to break the bank to do it i saw the introduction issue uh in a store with a hundred dollar price tag on it and i was like yeah i'm not I got to find this much, much cheaper if I'm going to buy it. But, you know, we'll see. Keep my eyes open for that. I also completed my run on Forever People, another Kirby connection. Uh, And those are ones I didn't pay too much for any of them. Uh, But that's another series that I very, very rarely have seen it in the back issue bins. So I'm surprised that all of a sudden there was a bunch of them out there for me to get.
1: trying to remember if i've ever read that i i can't recall if i have it it's it's
0: a little again batshit crazy but you know it's it's (laughs) it's there's there's the seeds of brilliance in it you know the whole the whole fourth world thing is just you know tremendous but it's you know kirby just adds some like crazy hippie shit into it and it it becomes (laughs) a little weird but you know I'm still cool with that. The thing that I've been surprised at is there's some issues on my want list. Uh, I've been able to, little by little, I've been getting a lot of the later issues on my want list. And by later, I usually mean, you know, the late 80s, early 90s for my wants. And I've been able to find a lot of those in the $1 bins. And little by little, I'm filling in most of those holes. But there's a couple of series that I need very, very little to close them out. And I'm a little surprised that I've had trouble finding. And I just, I kind of wrote down... I need two issues of Warlock and the Infinity Watch that I could just never find anywhere. And again, right. these have got to be $1 or I'm not buying them. There's one issue of the Namor series that I need to complete that run. There's the two last issues of the Micronauts first series that I don't have for some reason. Uh, three issues of Power Man and Iron Fist. Uh, Aram Annual. Uh, I mean, these are these are books that you you know I would think I would find in the $1 bin fairly easily. Since I've been actively looking for them, but I've been having no luck at all. And another Sometimes series.
1: Sometimes I wonder on stuff like that, if, if it's a regional thing or if they seriously are like rare, but for some reason, the rarity doesn't translate to a value. Mm-hmm. Um And I've wondered about that a lot over the years because I, there, I've had a, a number of books like that um, on my own want list you know many of them are still there but i've had somewhere i eventually was able to fill in the run and i wish now i'd made more note of that because it it really does make me wonder you know i'd love to conduct an experiment you know where where you know you you find that issue you know the one that it just took you friggin forever to find you know, get a spare of that issue and then slap it up on like eBay or something and just see how it does and see if maybe you find like some secret gem, you know, that, that maybe like, uh, what's the app? There's an app I use, um, key collector. Well, I mean, they're focusing on keys but I'm wondering sometimes if there might be keys that are not really keys in the traditional sense, but more keys because they're freaking hard as hell to find. Is There's nothing special about it. So it's not a key as far as like a first appearance or something special happens. It's just key because you can't ever find the damn thing. And and I, I've wondered about that a lot over time, you know, yeah, but I, I have a number of books, same same type of scenario, you know, where I just you know, every single, cause I, I've been on a real quest lately. I've been collecting a lot of series where I'm kind of challenging myself to like collect the entire series for a buck or less an issue. And there's so many of them that you can do, or at least you used to be able to do you know, like ROM is a perfect example. I collected all of ROM out of the, out of the dollar or less bins, um, Micronauts. I mean, a whole ton of series. Um, but then there's certain ones that have become really challenging where I got started collecting them out of the the cheap bins. And then you get down to that, like couple last issues. And, you know, sometimes there's an exception, like the Spectre was a bitch for me. It's Spectre volume three, I think it was. It was the Ostrander um, Mandrake series, whatever, whatever that was from the 90s, I think. And that one I got into because I kept finding the the back issues in the in the cheap bins, not realizing that there's two issues that were an exception to that, that I ended up paying significant for just to complete the run. But like right now, one of the ones that's vexing me is Martian Manhunter. I mean, that series, I mean, nobody ever talks about it. There's no real value to it. I've collected everything out of, for the most part, from the 50 cent or less bins. Yet, there's three issues I cannot find anywhere. So yeah, it, it 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 can be galling. It can be frustrating when that happens. but I, I wonder why that happens. You know, is it a is it a distribution thing? Is it a regional thing? Is it that you know it was you know a low print run?'m
0: that's I'm thinking that's what it is. like for example, I mentioned there's two issues of the micronuts I need. It's the last two issues. There's one issue of Namor that I need, and I think it might be the very last issue. Um, and I'm wondering if just before they canceled them, if they didn't decrease the print run to try and save some money and that that would be why they aren't so easy to find now. Typically, it would make sense Marvel, at
1: least. Yeah, Marvel does that or used to do that anyway. I mean, that's why a lot of the the last issues of of like especially like 80s and 90s uh, Marvel, like early 90s Marvel titles, like Star Wars. Like the the final issue of Star Wars. I mean, it's that one's so pricey, not necessarily because it's a great story or whatever, but because it's it's the last one and the print run was down to I mean, like c- cancellation numbers, you know, for them back in those days. Which you know, cancellation numbers back then are like a, a bestseller these days, but yeah, you know, but yeah, I mean that that definitely contributes. But usually, when that's the case. Then low print run usually translates to expensive back issue or at least, you know, pricier than 50 cents or a dollar, you know, uh, cheap. It's not cheap in fodder Um, yet. There are other books where that's, you know, like like I'm saying, you know, like, like a whole series you can get out of the cheap bins. You know, or you look it up and, you know, the the quote unquote value of it, according to the price guides or whatever, is like a dollar. And but you just can't find it anywhere. So I I give you a perfect example was the 90s Hawkman series, the one that followed up uh, Hawk World Mm -hmm. with with like kind of like the the reimagined Hawkman after like zero hour. Uh, I collected that whole series out of the cheap, cheap, cheap bins. Except there was one issue I could not put a hand to, and I think it was number twenty-two, if I remember right. Just nowhere, everywhere I went, nobody had it. I would, I would go to stores that had every single issue of the series except that one, and I kept thinking, "There's got to be, this got to be a key. There's got to be something going on with this issue. It's a first appearance of somebody or something." But every time I ever looked it up. Nothing key about it, and everybody's price on it was like a dollar or two bucks or something like that. So it was was nothing fancy about it. When I eventually did track it down and get it, I think I paid like a dollar for it. So you know, but sometimes
0: uh, it's just patience. You just gotta wait until it turns up.
1: Yeah, but I, I would love to be able to to do a better job of like making note of those kind of issues and keep an eye out for them in the future, and you know, experiment. You know, grab another one and see what you know what would that fetch on you know online for example i mean it, it would you find something that's actually a gem as far as what it would sell for in the back issue market because other people are also looking for it um and it's just not been discovered yet as one of those ones that actually is pricey like the like the price guides are missing it in other words right so
0: but yeah, I, I don't I, I think your your theory of it being the uh, the low print run probably makes more sense than anything else, right. So um just, just you know a couple of more thoughts I had about the recent collecting is one book that has come up uh, that I hadn't thought about in years. and then I found some issues in the one dollar bin and then it made its way onto to my want list to complete the series. Uh, is wanted and no it isn't that 90s series that was shit uh, and made into a movie it's <laughs> it wanted the world's most dangerous villains by dc from the uh early 70s and uh it's a nine issue run and i have found five of the issues in the one dollar bins and and then like i said then then all of a sudden the four the four remaining ones go onto my want list and they become uh you know a holy grail for a while uh, but that's that's to me was a fun series that I, I would like. You know, it's all reprints and stuff, but it's still. I
1: was just going to ask you if that was all reprints on that. I couldn't remember.
0: And then just digging in in bins once in a while, you know, you you find these occasional what I consider to be gems. Uh, you know, for the, for years and years again, oh well over 30 years, my earliest issue of World's Finest was issue number 168, which is the August 1967 issue. Then I was going through some bins and they had you know fairly uh you know well-loved copies, but they had issues 162 and 167 uh for for a dollar each. So I picked those up. I thought that's really cool. You know, when am I gonna ever find you know these issues at that in that kind of situation? Then I keep looking, you know, in in the bins, and over the, the last couple of weeks I picked up issues 139, 138, and 126. So now I've gone from my earliest issue being August of 1967 to my earliest issue being June of 1962 without really investing any significant money in in that particular <laughs> run. So, oh, you know, I also I've, I have found a similar thing with uh, adventure comics where some of the earlier issues have all of a sudden just been popping up in, in not expensive bins and, you know, $2, $3, you know, nothing uh, – you know not no great I- expenditures on them but but issues that I'm I'm very happy to own because of you know their their age and uh just you know that they in my opinion uh you know they're just being cool books you know adventure comics I've gone back down now uh I don't even know I think my oldest I don't even know what my oldest issue was I don't have very many of them for some reason but I you know I've managed to pick up issue 338 from September of 1965 for I think $2 uh, and then several issues. That's my oldest one now, uh, but several others on top of that. You know, and and that's fun for me because it's the old Legion episode uh, issues. Yeah. So you know, some cool stuff at a at a decent price. You can't you can't beat it.
1: My earliest one is um, oh gosh, I'm trying to think. of the, I have to look it up here. One oh three, and one oh three is the first Superboy in Adventure Comics and it's in pretty decent shape i got it when i was a kid i I have no idea where i got it i don't remember now i think i got it at like an antique store or something i don't remember but it's one of those ones where you remember back in the day they would tear the logo off the comic you'll cut it off the the, the comic send it back to the publisher to get the, the credit on it so right. it's it's missing that top However much that is, you know, a couple inches there where, where they stripped the logo off it. But otherwise, I mean, it's in really nice shape and, you know, it's it's complete and all that. But it just it continues to gall me that it's missing, you know, that logo strip on the on the front cover. So, I've been keeping an eye out for it online. And every once in a while, one will pop up on eBay. And usually the ones that pop up, you know they're they're really whipped or whatever. But there was one that popped up not long ago. and uh, it was actually fairly reasonable. And I was keeping an eye on it. And I strongly considered uh, bidding on it, even though it was crazy because I just you know i was I was thinking, I would love to upgrade that, you know, to one that is actually complete, you know, cover and everything. Mm. Um, I forget now what it ended up selling for, but it it was actually fairly reasonable, you know, as as those types of things go. Um, But I I, I didn't I didn't end up pulling the trigger on it, but I, I was I was sorely tempted Cause I was, I just kept thinking, you know, I would just turn around and sell the one I've got and, you know, would probably be able to make most, if not all of my money back on it. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I've been keeping an eye out just to see, you know, if there's one that comes along and I'm able to snag it, but, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I've still been fairly cheap with my spending. I, I, I'm like you, though. I, I have ventured a little bit more expensive and a little a little bit deeper lately than I normally do. But for the most part, I'm I'm still a cheap son of a bitch when it comes to uh, the back issue buying because there's there's a few issues of uh, of Justice League of America, you know, the original series, that are vexing me right now that I, you know i could get them you know i could go right now and get them for 10 bucks each but it's like i'm not spending 10 bucks each i'm spent six dollars is my limit that's it if i can't get it for six bucks i don't need it you know that's a song
0: we've sung so many times that you set a price in your mind and you shouldn't go beyond it and of late i've been stretching that price in my mind and spending more (laughs) um and I think, you know, as as I've filled in the cheaper books on my list, you know, when 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 I look at my want list, say, for series like, well, we'll go with Fantastic Four, which we already talked a little bit about. Uh, that I, You know, my, my run that I'm shooting for, which I probably will never own, but I'm re- shooting for issue one through 300. And when that list had issues in the 250s and 260s and 270s on it, you know, it was easy to look in the dollar bins and try and fill those issues in. But now that everything is, you know, no higher than two digits, you know, you're not going to find them in the dollar bin. So you either got to be willing to stretch that budget a little or you just accept that this is the series is complete as as it's going to be for me. Uh, right. So, uh, you know, I'm willing to stretch a little. And when, you know, I think what what I need to do. Is I need to budget myself a little more because right now I've just, like I said, I've been going a little nuts for the last few weeks, and I need to say, okay, I could put aside this much money per week that I'm, you know, that I'll allow myself to spend on books, and just, you know, if there's a book that's more money, I got to kind of save up a little bit to get it instead of just, you know, saying, oh, I'll go to the bank and take some money out because sooner or later that'll get me in trouble. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, I, I am saving now for. Tampa Bay comic-con when we go, uh, you know, the plan is we're going to hit, uh, what is it? Uh, I urban legend, it. urban legend. And I'm hoping realistically that I can fill in most of my cheaper books on my list. Cause I know they have some really good, like one and $2 boxes there. Uh, so I was hoping to fill in a lot of those, you know, those, those books that I don't expect to be too expensive there. And then at the actual con, I'm thinking, you know, that's where I may look for some, some bigger ticket items. But you know, we're gonna see. Who knows? Maybe I find the bigger ticket items at Urban Legend. Maybe I don't find the ones I want there and I find them at the con. You know, I mean, you know, the the best laid plans usually have a way of not working out. But, you know, we'll we'll see how how things play out. But I'm I'm looking forward to that probably being my next significant expenditure. I think, you know, it's it's I'll stop by a store now and again, I'm sure between now and then because we're talking two months away. But I don't think I'm going to go and, you know, buy much in the way of big tickets unless I find real bargains on the big tickets.
1: I was just looking at the CLZ app. I was trying to remember if there was a way to tell what you've purchased from a particular venue. And there is. So I'm looking here at what I bought because I was tempted to say that i didn't think that the back issue selection was all that great at tampa bay comic-con but i couldn't Mm -hmm. remember exactly and looking here at uh, i was able to pull up what i purchased last year at tampa bay comic-con and yeah my, my memory was correct it i mean it was strictly filler stuff i mean nothing um well was Justice League of America number seventy nine. That's not too bad. Well, you know uh, what? If, if I, I, I walk
0: away from Tampa Bay Comic Con and I say, "Oh, I didn't get to spend that money that I saved up to spend there," there, <laughs> are, there, there are other places that will gladly accept my
1: money. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly. I'm not.
0: I'm not. Cons- I'm. You know. I mean, I'm hoping to find some really good buys. But if I don't, you know, uh, I there's one store in particular I've been going to, and you know, of late that they've They've been pretty good as far as having some, uh, you know, some key issues at reasonable prices. You know, the, you find it a reasonable price. And then when you bring it to the register, if you're paying cash, they chop a little bit more off of the price. That's cool. Uh, yeah. So, you know, that, that, that works out for me most of the time. But I've still been spending stupid money and I have to
1: stop. <laughs> now, here's a question for you. Are you finding time to actually read all the comics that you've been acquiring lately? You know, it's, 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 it, it is a kind of a,
0: a dopey thing with me, though, that uh, a lot of the times, especially when I get one of these key issues like the, uh, that's, let's just say that Fantastic Four 112, it, you know, it looks to be in pretty good shape. And the last thing I want to do is spend, you know, significant money on a book and then, then bring it down in value by wearing it out. On the other hand, I've often talked about these, you know, I've been against the whole slabbing thing and, you know, you do want to have the book to, to kind of go through. But when I picked up these key issues, now I've been doing the self slabbing. Uh, I posted some pictures on the web, on our uh, Facebook page where I've been buying these slabs to protect the better books and they are reopenable. So they're not, you know, you're not locking them up forever and I'm not giving. uh, which was CGC money to give me a, uh, a a rating that they're doing just to cash in on my greed right um, So I, I like that issue, I got that, I brought it home, I took it out of the bag, I paged through it, and I have the book digitally anyway, and I have it in other forms. So it really was a matter of I want to own that book. It wasn't that I need to sit there and read that book uh so i I did page through it and i looked through it and then i took it and i slabbed it in my self slab uh and and it's now in my i have one box of those self slabs i actually have one real slabbed book which again it, it grates on me that i even bought a slabbed book but it was uh forever people number one and it was on an auction and I can't remember exactly, but you know, like I had seen issues of it going for like a hundred dollars, hundred and twenty dollars, some crazy amounts like that. And there was this slabbed one, and it, I think it had a 5.0 rating or something like that on the slab. Uh, and I bid like 30 bucks on it and then I got it. <laughs> so, oh, wow. <laughs> excuse me. So, you know, when you know. It's like i'm 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 anti slab, but I do have a slabbed book now. and i'm not, <laughs> I'm not gonna crack it open because again, i have I have it in other forms anyway. So right. I, I'm glad to own it and and it, it's I, you know I have that complete run now. Uh, but you know, so some of the issues I am reading and some of the issues I'm not. and some of the issues, I think you and I have fallen into the same category that it's like, okay, once I complete this run, then I'm gonna sit down and read all of these. And the question is, will that ever actually happen?
1: Right, right. <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, so that, that, was,
1: that was more what I was what I was asking, because I don't know why at this point I bother getting so stinking excited when I finally do complete, you know, hunting for something out of the bins. And, you know, then I've got it. And I'm so excited and everything. And then I, you know, I bag them, I board them, put them in the box. And then it's like immediately I've forgotten about it. And I really I'm, I'm going to make a more conscious effort here in the future to actually start spending more time reading the damn things because I'm spending all this time and money and everything else running all over the place, acquiring the things. But then I'm not actually enjoying them the way they're meant to be. Enjoy I me. Mean, I enjoy owning them, but I got to thinking, is this make me any better than these slab assholes? You know, if, I, if I'm all I'm doing is, is collecting them and then sticking them in a box then I'm doing basically the same thing that I pitch about with these people doing just in a slightly different way. So I need to start making more time to actually read all these books, you know? So that's, that's going to be my big focus from, from here on out is, is trying to make a little more time to actually blow through some of this stuff and, and, make it worth all the, all the time and money that I've spent to acquire them, you know? So it's not just amassing them, it's enjoying them as well, you know? Yeah. But I, you know, I think,
0: I don't think it's, it's totally the same as the slabbing of the books though. I I do think there's a difference. Uh, and, and, you know, in, in its own way, it's like stamp collecting, you know, you don't have to sit there and, and read the stamp, uh, you, you, you know, you, you get, you, you want to get the full collection and you know what I've been finding lately. I find that I enjoy sitting, like if I'm sitting waiting somewhere for, you know, we have a reservation and we're waiting to be called and we're sitting at the, you know, in, uh, in an area and I, I enjoy opening up my CLZ app and then just going to the series where I have whatever number of books and then just flipping through the covers in that of yep. the books that I have, yep. I find myself doing that a lot lately, especially yep. since I've added a decent number of good books to my my collection in the last year so that's
1: got some really cool features in it too because I, I like going in and playing around with the different statistics in there you know like you know what what's the collection you have the most of you know what character do you have the most of? you know that sort of thing so i like playing with those different features as well so yeah that that's a cool that's a cool upside to a a large collection is you know looking at the different statistics and all but um what have you been reading lately uh,
0: you know, it's, it's also, I'm drawing a blank. I, I was reading some West Coast <laughs> Avengers. I was I'm reading some I early, <laughs> read. <laughs> <laughs> I, am, I am illiterate. I just uh, look at the pictures. I was re- I was reading some Avengers and some West Coast Avengers books. Uh, you know, it's funny. Cause I had started my West Coast Avengers read through with the goal of, I really want to read the burn run on it. Cause I hadn't, I I've never read the entire thing, uh, and and even what I did read from that was years and years and years ago. So I really don't even remember many details of it. Uh, and, and I've gotten right up to the cusp of that. And then I just keep getting distracted and pulled away from it. So I, I have like <laughs> one or two more issues and then Burn comes in. Uh, I I'm also kind of jumping back and forth a little bit with the Fantastic Four. And I'm jumping into like three different spots. I'm jumping into like early issues from the Kirby Lee run. Not too early, like around, you know, starting in like the 40s or 50s. Uh, And then I find myself going over to Burns run there. And then I find myself going into the much later issues that, you know, we've covered recently on uh, our thing, Hulk retrospective and stuff. So I'm kind of jumping all around that series a little bit and I'm not getting too deep into any of them yet because I just keep jumping. Uh, You know, it's unfortunate that lately I just haven't had as much free time to read as I would like. Uh, you know, by the time I get home from work and we have dinner, we do a couple of things and then I sit down and I can open up the, you know, open up my iPad and start reading. Uh, a lot of times it's like, I'm ready to fall asleep. So I have, you know, I have to just kind of pick and choose my moments a little bit. Right. How about you? What have you been reading?
1: It's funny. You should mention the the FF thing, because, uh, you know, mostly inspired by our thing Hulk, you know, retrospectives that we've been doing much like yourself, um, I started reading some FF and I dove in right in the area where we're at with that, you know, because, you know, the next issues we're going to cover um, are during the uh, Tom DeFalco, Paul Ryan era. And I love that era, but I never finished it. I read a lot of it, but I never finished it. So I, I started right with DeFalco's first issue and started reading, and I read up through 375. But not long ago, a couple months ago, I had gone, uh, I was doing a, another read-through of FF where I started um, with Roger Stern, like post-Burn, like right after Burn left, Roger Stern took over as the writer. It's like 297 or something like that, like just before issue 300. And started reading because I'd never read that gap between the end of Burn's run and, uh, DeFalco's run. So there's about 50 eh, ish issues in there that I have that I bothered to collect, but I just never read. And that's all this stuff where like, um, the thing mutate, you know, all this stuff that we're talking about now with the thing, Hulk retrospective, you know, about, uh, Ms. Marvel coming in as, as Ben's girlfriend and, you know, Ali- um, Johnny and Alicia got married And the thing mutated into the pineapple looking thing and all that. Well, that all happens during that stretch, but I never actually read it, even though I own Mm. it. So I started reading that. And so when I got to 375 in the DeFalco run, I'm like, I'm going to stop here. I'm going to go back to 300 and then read up to where I'm at. So I started doing that. But then I was also like, you know, the other thing I was really interested in because of our thing Hulk retrospective was the Hulk, and same type of thing, you know. I I read, um, you know, I remember reading and really loving Burns' run from like three fourteen to like I think it's like three nineteen or three twenties when he left. It was a real short run, but it's fantastic, and then. I started actually like buying the Hulk right off the stands with 340 the one it was uh the very beginning of the of the Peter David run when uh Todd McFarlane came in on the title and I read that up through a particular issue and and then quit but in the interim I've collected all those issues from 314 when Byrne took over right to the very end of the series and I've bought them all out of the cheap bins So it was one of those things where I've always wanted to read it. Plus, I've always wanted to reread the beginning of the Peter David. Like I wanted to read the whole Peter David run. So I just I did much the same thing as like with FF. I went back to three fourteen, the the first burn issue, and I'm just like I'm just gonna read through this whole thing. And right now I'm up to like three forty something. Like just actually I think I'm at. I think I'm about to start the issue where the Hulk got nuked and one of the, one of the big things that's delayed me all these years from going back and and rereading that stuff was that I got into the Hulk. I got really excited about the Peter David Hulk because of the Todd McFarlane art, but in, but in the intervening years, my opinion of Todd McFarlane has changed a lot. And I I just I'm not as enamored of his stuff as I used in a lot of ways. When I see his stuff now, I'm like, why did I ever (laughs) like this? Especially like a Spider-Man. I just don't care for it now. So I'm like, I don't want to go back and, and taint those memories because I really liked his Hulk stuff. You know, that's when I really discovered the guy. But as I'm reading through, I am very pleased to find that I love it just as much, if not more than I did back then. I, his gray Hulk is just friggin' awesome. I I love it. The other characters are a little cartoony looking, a little, um, I don't know quite anime is the right word, but they're, they're a little cartoony, but it works. It, It lends into the enjoyment of, of the title. And of course, Peter David was just firing on all cylinders with that stuff. And, uh, you know, he he picked up the threads of of what you know Byrne had laid down, and then in the in, inter and in, in, yeah, I can't talk in the interim between Byrne and David coming on, Al Milgram was in there as both uh, writer and artist, and kind of kept things going, and and so it was basically like Byrne started something, and then Milgram picked it up, and that's where the whole Gray Hulk thing started and then David comes in and just runs with it and really made it exciting stuff. And man, right. I'm, I'm loving it. I am so enjoying it. So I'm, I'm going to keep with that and, to, you know, and see how that goes. But my intention is to, uh, you know, to read through the whole Peter David run. I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, that my enthusiasm and I'm hoping the quality stays up. Cause I know the art changes a lot. Um, but you know, for, the, for right now, it's McFarlane, eventually it's Purvis who I like a lot. Um, Dale Keown I think is the next guy who's I like him a lot too and then beyond that I'm not sure I know that towards the end of the series the art starts to get a little shit so I'm a little worried about that but as long as the writing is good you know and, and maintains a quality I, I should enjoy it but I'm um, that's, a little, that's a little.
0: That's a little anti Scott there, because usually if the artist shit, you can't be bothered anymore.
1: Well, yeah, but you know, I mean, sometimes, sometimes a good writer, you know, can can save me with that sort of thing. But we'll we'll see. I mean, I'm I'm wondering, you know, what the quality is like. I'm wondering what the stories are like because I don't really like the whole smart Hulk, Professor Hulk type of thing. Um, But again, it's Peter David and I really like him and and the stuff I have read of that I've generally really enjoyed, uh, you know, of of the Peter David written Smart Hulk stuff. Um, So, you know, we'll see. And a lot of that stuff, too, is uh, again, I think it's uh, uh, Dale Keown, if I remember right, is the artist on that stuff. And I I really um, I'm hoping I've got the right artist name, but I think that's right. But I really like his art, Um, you know, the guy that's doing the art through all that. So. But yeah, so far really digging it. But I mean, so so happy to discover that I really still um, dig on that uh, on that McFarlane Hulk stuff because I was just super enamored of that stuff when I discovered it back, you know, as it was new coming out. So I was I was nervous getting back, you know, digging back into that. I was like, man, I sure hope I don't hate this now. But I don't. I I think it's fantastic, mm. really nice stuff. Yeah, to it's... a point where I've decided to pull. Uh, I had a listing up. I think it's just uh it was on Facebook Marketplace but um I had so far as I know there were only ever two um retail posters that they put out of McFarlane's Hulk like at the time that it was happening and one was um the cover of 340 which is um Wolverine with his claws out with the Hulk reflected in it but they changed oh, yeah. the coloring of it cuz on the actual cover the comic book cover the background is blue and the hulk reflected in the claws is the gray hulk but when they put the poster out the background is red and the hulk reflected in the claws is the green hulk but i really love that poster and i sold it not long ago for a couple hundred bucks because that's, <laughs> that's a pretty rare poster now and i've had the other one up for a long long time um and just discovering that I, I still love that stuff so much, I decided to pull the listing and I'm, I'm gonna get that poster framed and put it back up on the wall at some point. Cause I really, really love that poster. So but yeah, it's it's good. I'm having fun with that. But that uh, that uh, DeFalco um, Ryan stuff, I know you're say, you're you're you were saying before that you're intent at stopping at 300. And I'll be honest that the quality between like 300 and when uh, DeFalco comes in, it's a varying quality. It goes all over the place. And I think there were several different writers and artists that came in. But once DeFalco comes in, I'm, I'm trying to remember what issue that is where he comes in the issue number. And I don't quite remember. But from there on, I mean, that book is just firing on all cylinders. And Paul Ryan was a fantastic artist. And he's inked on a lot of that stuff by, uh, Danny Bolognati. And so, I mean, the, the stories are great. The art is fantastic. I would strongly encourage you to, uh, to check into that stuff. And it's, so far as I'm aware, they're all fairly cheap back issues. I don't think there's any of them at price for much of anything anymore. At one time, 371 was kind of a hot back issue. Cause that's the one where, uh, it had the embossed cover on it uh, where Johnny set fire to ESU and all that. And that, that was kind of a, uh, I don't know if you'd say a key issue, but it, I remember it was a hotback issue for a time, but I, I think that time's long past. Because so. I've been thinking about, I don't usually get into the whole multi-cover thing and all that, but uh, they did do a reprinting of that back at the time that it was out, because it was just, I don't know, it was like a surprise hit issue or something. And so, like, the original one was an all-white cover, because Johnny uses his Nova Flame as Nova Burst. So they recreated that on the cover, so it was an all-white cover that was embossed. And then they reprinted it as an all-red cover that was embossed. And like I said, I don't usually do the whole multi cover thing, but I was, I'm actually kind of on the hunt for that one now. And I saw it the other day on eBay for like five bucks or something. I'm kind of thinking about pulling the trigger on it just because it's cool, you know, just because I neat. think I may have that.
0: Yeah. I think I may have both of those. I'm not sure. I definitely have had both of them. I don't know if, if at some point I, uh, if, if at some point I divested myself of one, and I might have divested myself of. Both, since actually, I probably did since I cut myself down to to (laughs) to issue three hundred as my cutoff because that's after that, I believe.
1: I tell you, I I wish I'd had this CLZ app like like years and years ago because you know you were talking about uh, uh, my greatest adventure and I was going to offer you the issue that I had for sale. And I went to look it up in the app, and it's not even in there. So at some point, I must have sold it. But I have no memory whatsoever of selling the issue. I, I thought for sure I still had it. I'm, I don't know, Maybe I need to go and just physically dig in the bins and see if maybe I just missed it or something. But it's not in my app. And I was also trying to see, like, what, what had I paid for uh, that Astonishing Tales 25? Because I remember being so damn happy. Because, again, like you, that was the only... Now, I didn't get the whole series of Astonishing Tales. I only got the issues related to Deathlock. But, of course, that's his first appearance, so I wanted that issue. And uh, I remember I hunted like a madman for the longest time for that damn issue. And I finally did acquire it, but I, I have no memory of what I paid for it. I, I, Probably 1000 I $1,000. No, I'm I'm thinking like 20, 25 bucks, something like, but I I, I honestly cannot remember what, you know, what I paid for mm-hmm. it. But, but just being a cheap SOB, I'm sure it wasn't much. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so, I mean, I guess that's kind of an
0: up- update on what we've been buying, but I'd like to squeeze in covering an issue before we call this show to a conclusion. Sure. So... One of the issues that I bought now, just to just to kind of tell this to our conversation, uh, I had needed only a handful of issues of the original run of Captain Marvel uh, to complete that. And I am still searching for a price that isn't stupid on issue 27, which is the first appearance of Star Fox. I am not willing to pay a premium for the first appearance of Star Fox. I don't care. I will search until I find that at a decent price. Uh. I mean, I saw it in store for 50 bucks. I'm not paying anywhere near that for this issue. Uh, You know, maybe, you know, my my gut feeling is 10. Uh, Maybe I'd I'd stretch and go to 15, but I don't really see myself going beyond that on it uh, just to complete the series. But, you know, as we've talked about in the past, uh, Captain Marvel was a very mercurial series. They, uh, you know, they went... Uh they, they did like kind of were directionless for the longest time. They they had the character and then it was like, well, what are we gonna do with him? And the did Creative Team changed over and over again? And and it really never found its legs until Starling got a hold of it. Uh but for whatever reason, I still have some warm feelings towards the entire run, which I've you know read over the years. Uh and it's one that I wanted to complete. And issue 27 is a Starling issue. But one of the issues I only recently acquired was issue 14, so I picked that as one to do, and that that's one. I think I paid five bucks for it. It was you know it wasn't crazy, uh, but it was one of the ones that you couldn't find as easily because it's got Iron Man on the cover, so it's more, you know, more eye-catching. I believe uh, the cover shows Iron Man and Captain Marvel in space, uh, with planets behind them that don't appear to be very realistic as to how they would look if you were in fact in space. Um, And Captain, you know, Iron Man is facing the reader and looking uh, threatening, while Captain Marvel is kind of uh, at a strange angle where, you know, you see his chest, but his head is turned towards Iron Man, so you don't see his face at all. Uh, The cover is drawn by Frank Springer, inked by Vince Coletta and John Romita. So the story is written by Gary Friedrich. It's penciled by Frank Springer and inked by Vince Coletta. Uh, lettered by Artie Simic and edited by Stan Lee. It's got a cover date of June of 1969. And the synopsis, they give you a nice brief synopsis here on the Marvel Wiki. Uh, it says, continued from last issue. Held at gunpoint at the Cape for treason charges, Marvel tries to figure out what to do while Carol tries to appeal appear for Marvel's. Says, tries to appear for Marvel's release. I believe it's appealed for Marvel's <laughs> oh, release. Appeal, yeah. While at the same time, the puppet master from his island hideout uses one of his special puppets to take control of Iron Man, part of a plan to a- aid Egghead against the Avengers. See Avengers 64. Iron Man, in his civilian guise as Tony Stark, is on his way to, a bi- to business in Miami and is controlled by the t- puppet master to change into Iron Man and leaves the plane to attack Marvel. The puppet man- master manages to have Iron Man attack Marvel. However, the battle ends when unexpectedly, when unexpectedly, when Stark's heart boy, it's such poorly written stuff—condition causes Stark <laughs> to have a heart attack. A furious puppet master, not knowing why Iron Man no longer responds to his command, throws his puppet at the control his controls, causing an explosion that buries the puppet master under his machinery. That's brilliant. Marvel, once more at gunpoint, flees into space with his teleportion, teleportation powers. There, he is contacted by Zoe, who tells him that his time <laughs> is up in getting revenge against Jan Rug and that he must do Zoe's bidding immediately. The story is continued next issue. Yeah, the, Zoe whole, what? <laughs> <laughs> the whole Zoe thing was just so stupid. Um, again, I have a, a warm spot for these books but the reality is they're just not good. <laughs> so story-wise, because they just didn't know where to go with this character. It really is what it comes down to. Um, I, you know, I, I looked through this book. I really like the art in it. Uh, it it's got a strange character model for for the puppet master, yes. uh, which I believe was not, this wasn't the only place where that was his character model. I think, uh, you know, he had appeared. I think that that this story kind of went over Uh, again, it was a crossover to the Avengers. I think there was something that was going on in Tales of Suspense as well, and maybe even Tales to Astonish with the Puppet Master and with Egghead. And, uh, I think Krang is somehow involved, but there's like a whole big thing. I'm just wanted to see in the notes here if it even says, uh, it does not. But just the same, I believe there was such a, uh, uh, a thing where it was you know really interrelated with the books that were coming out at the time anyway I, I really like the art in here uh it is very late 60s early 70s looking uh but i think it's really clean uh it's not so cartoony uh and some of the some of the panels are fairly original in their setup I, I think it's it's you know overall I'm I'm very happy with the artwork in it, uh, the story uh, it's all right, <laughs> but you know not much more to say about it than that. I think the synopsis kind of gives you what's going on. This whole background story with Zoe, which I believe if I'm remembering right, Zoe actually is Yon-Rogg, and he's testing him, and you know it's. I don't again, I don't think they knew where they were going to go. and We're only three issues away from him ditching the the green and white costume for the uh, red and blue one uh, that is far superior to this one. Uh, But, you know, again, I I don't even know why I like this character so much. (laughs) What do you think of this?
1: Um, This is one of those type of things that really worries me that I have like early onset Alzheimer's or something, because I just read this entire series not that long ago. And I had absolutely no memory of this issue whatsoever. It, 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 and, Honestly, I, I can only think it's got to be because it's just, it's kind of shit and it's just completely forgettable. Um, I don't hate the art, but it's wonky as hell. Um, now I do think that strangely, I, I think, uh, Vinnie Coletta. I think he does a really good job here of mitigating some of the eccentricities of, of Frank Springer. So it's not as, as wonky as Springer can be sometimes. Um, but it still does, does have a bit of wonk to it here and there. I mean, there are some really good looking shots and some good looking panels and stuff. um, but it's just kind of serviceable you know i i don't see a lot of it that's that's terribly dynamic or what you know the the um the the fights a little static um i mean a lot of it's a little static but there there are there are a few shots that are pretty decent but overall it, it didn't make much of an impression um you know artistically and then the story is just kind of dopey well, but i'm not going to argue with you on the story but the, all right, so is this supposed to be the same puppet master? Like this is the stepfather of Alicia, puppet yep, master or not? Wow, is. he looks. Yeah, he looks like a Keebler elf or something. I don't know what the <laughs> hell's going on with him. He, he just yeah, he's got like Bucky's old outfit, and he's yeah, he's just really weird looking here. He looks absolutely nothing like. And the puppet master, you know, especially you know, as he was drawn. Uh, you know, like he, he was factoring in a lot in the issues that I've just been reading, you know, that, that, uh, DeFalco, uh, Ryan run where he's the one that was putting the fantastic four onto the trail of, you know, he was the one that was figuring out like Alicia's not Alicia, like something's wrong with her that eventually led to the whole reveal that she was a scrawl. So he factored a lot into that era. And he has a very distinct character model in that. He's a a little weird looking because he almost looks like a a ventriloquist dummy himself. You know, he's got like a big bulbous head and weird eyes. And he looks like uh, there used to be a ventriloquist dummy that you could buy for kids years ago. His name was like Hugo or something like that. And he reminds me so much of that ventriloquist dummy. So he has a very specific look. And this is nothing like that. This He looks more here like just some like generic tubby bald guy. You know, he, he looks like, I don't know, I'm looking right here specifically at page 12 of the story first panel where he's kind of ranting and he's going, it's impossible. And I'm looking at it going, this almost looks like the kingpin squeezed into like a Keebler elf outfit or something. It's just, I actually love rid- that panel. <laughs> <laughs> he looks ridiculous. Yes, he does. <laughs> but i get a kick out of it i i, I really
0: like i'm gonna tell you i really liked the i like the splash page although I it's not especially dynamic i just think it's a cool shot uh gives me like a day the earth stood still feeling with the giant robot behind them and everything so i just thought that was kind right. of cool um i think the actual fight sequence between captain marvel and iron man is fairly well done the uh this, this, the page where the puppet master throws the iron man doll into the uh thing and it explodes i think that's cool just because it's so atypical uh the layout of it you know it's got basically it's three panels and they're real, all very very strangely cut up um and i i like the outer space shots at the end of it i thought they were really yeah, well are, done yeah. with the exception of the stupid rainbow thing with the words on it because just <laughs> what the hell is that you know is is, is the way he's looking at it, it it's you read in this book as if he's actually reading these words in front of him right. as opposed to you know a big disembodied voice saying it so i don't like that particular choice but otherwise i i really like all the outer space stuff that they have in here so i i was actually kind of enamored with the artwork because i think overall uh to me it was the artwork was fun uh, I think you may be onto something that, and it's so rare that we can give him the positive take, but I think you may be onto something that Vince Coletta actually improved the penciling in this book. Uh, yeah. I would love to see the the pencils before he got to them just to kind of confirm that, but that's the way it looks to me that he really might, he really probably cleaned up a lot of what was there uh, and and made it, you know, much, much more pleasing to the eye. So I'm I'm not in total disagree I'm not at all in disagreement with you as far as how the penciling is overall I just think it's a your mileage may vary situation where I just got more pleasure out of it than you did
1: right now that but the story
0: batshit crazy
1: <laughs> that shot and I think now I'm looking at this from scan obviously but I think this was actually in the physical book this is probably a two page splash. But page 19, the shot of Marvel just kind of hanging in space right there as he's looking at a uh, what? What the hell is that? A black hole or something? Um, that's a great shot. I really like that. Now it's very obviously Coletta in the way that it's kind of shaded. Funny, it's got that kind of like almost like it like a looks like it's shaded in pencil or something., mm-hmm. uh, but that's still a really cool shot because I like this look for Captain Marvel. I, I always liked the the Cree outfits I always thought it looked really neat. And I was really glad to see that they adapted them into um you know the MCU when they you know they did the whole Cree storyline and all that in Captain Marvel. But I thought that I, I just think this is a really cool look. Like I like his later. You know, his later look, you know, with the red and blue and, the, you know, he had the perm and all that. But this is this is a very cool, like, you know, science fiction-y look. And I, I really like that.
0: He didn't really get the perm until Pat, Pat, until Pat Broderick got him. Right. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I don't disagree with you again. I think that the original green and white costume is very, very cool as a soldier's uniform. It's you know the Cree army with all of these these uniforms. I think it's really cool, and I, I agree. I'm glad that they they worked it into the Marvel uh, cinematic universe. The later costume, I think, is much more, you know, lends itself much more to a superhero. Um, yeah. So, so I kind of like that for the individual. I I would hate to see an army of people wearing that particular costume. Uh, You know, whereas I do like this one, the Nova costume I'm thinking is more interesting in that respect because I think it's a very cool superhero costume and a very cool soldier costume. Right. So it's, 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 you know, it's interesting to take it from a uh, you know, the choices that they made and why they made them. Uh, And I'm, pretty you know pretty comfortable with again this being the soldier's outfit i like that they did it the way they did that uh you know they introduced this one first and then he advanced to the other one so this way they have the the ability to use both uh, you know in in their various stories and stuff uh but i do you know like again as a superhero costume i definitely prefer the later one i think it's it's it lends itself to more dynamic uh looks
1: but i'm trying to remember how he how is he built on um you know i'm going to look it up real quick here on uh, marvel superheroes uh 13 is it 12 or 13 is this uh, 12 is his first 12 one, right? is the first one does it say well i guess just the fact that it is you know he's debuting in marvel superheroes so i was going to make the argument that i think he he started initially su- he's supposed to be a science fiction character as opposed to a superhero but just the fact that he's debuting in marvel superheroes kind of puts the lie to that but i i wa- i can't help but wonder just the way the story starts with him being you know from an alien race they're here on a scientific mi- or like an uh, almost like more, an more, like,
0: more like a spy mission
1: Sp- yeah like a like a Yeah, like an invasion spy mission type of thing. I I just um, I'm thinking that the intent initially was more of let's get more sci fi into Marvel comics, but because that just doesn't really seem to be working, then they basically make him into a superhero. And, and, you know, thus the need for for a more superhero outfit than than as opposed to a soldier's uniform type of thing. I don't know. Is that theory hold any water?
0: i I think i think you're kind of right i think uh you know i I think it makes sense that they were trying to do it as more of a science fiction concept with the invasion and he's a part of the advanced guard coming in to scout out you know what this planet has and then from there they went into the superhero motif and then the interesting thing is when the series finally really started to click it was jim starlin kind of doing both combining the superhero with the science fiction
1: right yeah, this is interesting. I was noticing there's an ad here. There, there's hope for you yet, Paul. So on What's page uh, after page eighteen, the ad page after page eighteen, the the page where he's looking at the words in the sky. By the way, just the fact that these rainbow colors are not in Roy G. Biv order just hits that whole. Uh, uh, <laughs> what do they call that? The. Um, <sighs> shit now i can't think of it i just ruined my own joke never mind (laughs) moving forward but on the ad page uh after that one of the ads uh under the comic book new list new low prices the next one under it says you can have a he-man voice there you go send today for free (laughs) booklet
0: (laughs) all right is it too late can i do that (laughs) So, not much more to add on this one, unfortunately. Nah. Uh, I'm gonna say it's you know what the biggest thing about the cover that I that kind of gets me is uh, it's kind of a beefy Iron Man, and the funny thing is I always complain when the when the Iron Man suit is too form fitting that it's not an armor; it becomes just you know a costume uh so the more beefy should make sense to me that to fit a man inside of an armor you're gonna be more beefy and yet i that that's like my biggest criticism of the cover otherwise i feel like it's fairly dynamic uh and and it's eye-catching so i'm gonna say a solid b on the cover uh the interior art you know again our, our mileage is varying uh i i enjoyed it i enjoyed the artwork a lot. Uh, not not to the point of being an A, but I enjoyed it a lot. So I'm going to say, I'm going to give it a, a, you know, again, a solid B on the uh, artwork. The story is kind of dumb. Uh, so I'm going to say, I'm going to give it a C. I'm not going to even kill it that much because it was still, I still felt okay reading it. Uh, and overall, I'll give the book a B minus.
1: Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to be anywhere, near as high at it. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, the cover, I, I want to love the cover, but like you say, you've got fat ass Iron Man here and that, that, that seriously kind of takes it down a bit. Yeah. He is, he is far too girthy. He reminds me of, uh, you know the the funny what if story and what if Tony Tony Stark had an eating problem instead of a drinking problem? <laughs> you know, he's he's just a little too beefy. Um, that plus the fact that the hero of the title um, has his not necessarily his back to us, but you know his head is you know turned away from us. If he was if they were just at a slightly different angle, I think it might work a little bit better. If they were if they were facing each other. Uh, in profile, you know, to where we could actually see both of the characters clearly, you know, see their faces and all. I I think it would work a little bit better. Um, so yeah, not a horrible cover by any means, but yeah, just not, not fantastic. So I will say a C plus on the cover. Um, Interior art is kind of all over the place. There, there are some things I really like, um, but there's also some stuff that's I, I think is is very wonky. And overall, I just I find it to be serviceable without being terribly dynamic. Um, with with only a couple of exceptions, so uh, I'm gonna go a middle of the road C on the art because I you know I, I'm I'm not crazy about it, but I, I don't hate it either. It's just it's just kind of serviceable. And then the story—I'll uh, say a D plus—but it's pretty dopey. It's a pretty stupid <laughs> story, and it more than anything, it's just—it's just, it's just kind of dull. It just, you know, it, it doesn't—it doesn't stick with me, and it didn't really do anything for me. And I think this specific issue really illustrates a point that they don't know what to do with him. I, I think. It, that that is really amply demonstrated in just the nature of the telling of this particular issue between the way it starts and the way it ends, you just really get that feel like, man, they're, they're, just, they're just spinning their tires. They really don't know what to do with this guy.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, there's no question they didn't know what to do with him. And then they went into, you know, they kind of made him into a play on the DC Captain Marvel with, you know, with Rick Jones, right. and you know, almost, the almost kind of the Shazam, uh, motif. And, uh, you know, they, they, they went through, you know, uh, they went, you know, it went through some, some strange issues, uh, again, before it got to Stalin. Once it got to Stalin, this, this book got damn good under Stalin.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I've come to really regret getting rid of all those issues. Cause I had all of them. I had all the Stalins and I had all the, the Brodericks as, as well. And, um, I think it was right around the time the, the movie was announced or something like some, something related to captain Marvel. He got hot for a time and I, I got rid of all that stuff. Oh, it was Thanos too. You know, the infinity war was coming out and all that. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I ended up getting rid of it, but I kind of regret it now. And as, as I find them, if I can find them on the cheap to pick them back up again, I might recollect them. Cause I, I do like that stuff. I, I like the Starlin stuff and I, I really like the Broderick stuff. I've always, uh, Uh, Really been a a big Pat Broderick fan. So, yeah.
0: You know, I I think I have pretty much every appearance. I might be missing one or two. I don't even know. But I think I have pretty much every appearance from his introduction. Now that you found issue 13 for me of uh, Marvel Superheroes, With the exception of that issue number 27. I think I have everything up until, you know, from his introduction until the death. Huh. I don't think there's any issues that I don't have. There may be one or two where he guessed it in a series and I didn't realize, but that would probably be it. I have his appearances in Marvel Team Up and Marvel 2 and 1, and I have appearances in the Avengers. So I think I pretty much have them.
1: I don't think he really appeared in a lot of other books, though, because if I, if I remember properly, I think when I did my read through, I think I included ancillary titles, you know, like guest appearances and stuff. And as I recall, there, it wasn't that much. Um, I mean, probably the biggest one being the uh, the Neil Adams issues of Avengers during uh, the Cree scroll war.
0: Yeah, I think I have um, all of the ones that he was in for that.
1: But yeah, other than that, the only other thing I can really remember is like Marvel Two and One, and I think that's about it. That I this I is a,
0: mo- a couple of Marvel team up issues. Oh, the Hulk! Uh, I think he was in an issue. Yeah, he was him. an issue of the Hulk. He was also, uh, you know, he was in when you know when they did the uh, the the crossover between Marvel Two and One Annual and Avengers Annual with the you know the death of right, Thanos. Right, right,
1: with Thanos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but I
0: have those, so I, I think I, I think I'm pretty good on. His appearances, you know, it's, it's it's funny to sit here and and crow about being good on his appearances right after we talk about what a shit
1: character. he was. Well, that's the thing though, is I, you know, I, I don't think he was a shit character. It's just, it's literally, it's like, they just didn't know what to do with the poor guy. Um, because I, you know, it's, it's one of those examples of you, you just needed the right guy on the title. And. Because I, I tell you, to this day, one of my favorite books is The Death of Captain Marvel. And I think one of the things that I really like about that, what really connects to me you know, with me in that story is, is just the simple fact of, you know, here's a guy that by all rights, I should not give a shit about because his book was kind of, you know, kind of sucked most of the time. And he was just a character of like squandered potential. But that's what makes it all the more tragic, is that his greatest adventure, like the, his most uh, engaging adventure, is the one that where he dies. And there's, well, you there's know something think, really kind of sad about that. But think about the very early issues of Thor
0: and the very early issues of Iron Man and Tales of Suspense. Uh, it seems pretty clear that Stan didn't know what to do with those characters when he first got them. And, right. and some of those issues are every bit as poorly thought out as as some of the early, early Captain Marvel adventures. Uh, I think the difference is, you know, at this point, whatever, seven, eight years have gone by since then, and you kind of feel like they had the formula and that they would be able to not have those weak moments. But, you know, the, the, this, this one kind of goes back to that, unfortunately.
1: Right. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting to to take a look at and try to figure out, you know, like what, what was the problem? You know, what was the problem and what could they have done about it? And I'm not sure exactly what the problem was. I, I think part of it may be um, an ill-defined power set might be part of it. Um, I think a part of it, too, was, you know, still trying to bring some of the old baggage of his background and his origins and everything while simultaneously trying to do a 180 and, and go in a different direction and, and never completely like cutting off all the old stuff that didn't work and I think that's one of those things you see with a lot of characters that are problematic to where they have a certain coolness about them, whether it's a cool costume or a cool power set or whatever, but they just can't quite ever seem to, to make it, you know? And, and it's one of those things where sometimes I I think they benefit the best by just scrape everything off, you know, scrape off all the barnacles, everything, and just forge a completely different direction. And they kind of sort of tried that with Captain Marvel, but I, I, I never completely. He was always still tied to the whole Kree thing and, you know, some of the wonkiness of his backstory and all. So I, I don't know. But it, it is a shame because I, I think he I think he was a character with some potential. At least I'd like to think so. I'd like to think that there's there was more to the guy than just. Oh, we just need to get him out there to secure the copyright to, you know, to the name Captain Marvel. I mean, if that's all oh, that's how it started, there's no question. Well, I know that's, that's how, how it started, started, but I mean, if that's all there really was to the guy, then that's, you know, then it's almost, you know, a sin that they even bothered to publish him knowing full well that, well, we're just going to put out mediocre stuff just to, you know, just to keep the name out of out of dc's hands that's the kind of But, shit but just is. like just like i said
0: earlier when i was talking about the germ of some good ideas in kirby's fourth world stuff i think there is a germ of a good idea in this i think the idea of him being an advanced scout for a uh potentially invading uh world uh is is you know there's there's some stuff that could be mined there that could be really interesting uh, I think, you know, they they just dropped the ball because they didn't develop a consistent storytelling, and they didn't have a real plan. But right. you right. know, I think I think you know, with the right writer, like you said, I think they could have done that. By the time it got to the right writer, they had already kind of made him into an individual, and he was no longer that spy for the invading world. So you could use that as his background. But, you know, I guess they, you know, if Stalin had stayed on it long enough. They could have done something where the Kree were coming back, you know, to to bring him back into the uh, the fold or to, you know, have him on trial for mutiny or something. Uh, you know, there's, there's things they could have done with that, but ultimately they just decided to kill off the character. Right. And yeah, you know, yeah. they did get one of the all-time classic stories by doing that. So yeah, absolutely.
1: You know, yeah
0: and and they've resisted I, I don't even think they've resisted the urge to bring him back I think they've dangled him in front of us a few times and seen that the comic collecting people say no 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 don't bring him back
1: uh well you know, they, I th- if I could be wrong but it was it was always my impression that when he came back right around the time of Secret Invasion I th- I think they honestly for a time intended him to be Marvel and then that's, when he eventually yeah that's what I thought as well. And then they realized
0: that the people were not buying it. So they said, oh, no. Yeah. No, he's a scroll.
1: Yeah. So, but, I, you know, they can say what they want and to try to cover their asses. But I, I think it's exactly that is that when they realized how unpopular that idea was. They're like, whoops, nope, nope, he's a scroll.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, all right. I'm glad we got a book in.
1: <laughs> yeah, me too.
0: And uh,
1: <laughs> this was fun.
0: Yeah. I hope everybody enjoyed the comic collecting talk slash
1: book review and uh, we'll
0: catch you next time
1: bye-bye thank you so much for listening to our show and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old fashioned comic book back issue awesomeness you can contact back to the bins to leave feedback comments questions suggestions and criticisms via email at bins at two true or by joining the back to the bins group on facebook Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of Monzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. You didn't say goodbye. No, no, I'm not. Because I don't mm-hmm. want to go. <laughs> <laughs> I want to stay. <laughs> I want to stay, 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 right, stay.
0: <laughs>